You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garanchi. I'm Alex Peshera. In studio, we have Marcus Penn. Welcome, Marcus. Thank you. Uh, Marcus, you are the creator of Pinland Empire. It's a film blog, right? Correct. Film website. Correct. Also a podcaster in your own right, Zebras mm-hmm. in America's Correct. Your podcast. So we, um, this is our second uh, person that I met on Twitter in a row. Oh, well, nice. actually, meet, well, meeting for the first time now, but engaged on Twitter. I think I made a snarky comment on one of your tweets, and you responded, oh, and I was. <laughs> and I oh, remember, which what was it? What did you say? I don't even remember. You, it, I, I should look it up. But it was like it was something. I just want to be in the conversation. I'm trying to. We talked about it a little bit last last night. Oh. Like I'm trying to figure Twitter out. Like I don't think I know how to use Twitter, so I most mostly just retweet oh, like film enough. clips that I like. Yeah. Yeah. And every once in a while, somebody writes something movie related, and I yeah. want to put in my two cents. I'm usually on on. Not usually. I'm half and half. Sometimes I'm on the defensive. Uh, because a lot of what I do, I mean, I do movie writing, not even just for my own site. I write for another website, The Pink Smoke, uh, occasionally for Ru- Rupert Pupkin Speaks and all that. But a lot of what I do mainly on Twitter and a lot on my site is comparing movies. So scenes from movies, sometimes in great detail, just because I read a lot and directors use their own words and say, hey, this scene inspired this scene. But a lot of times people still want to argue that. But uh, other times they are very vague. And I think it's like I just got a comment now from someone being snarky so something instead of just being like an asshole i'll just be like just like oh like that's kind of yeah you, you wrote know. you so literally wrote back oh and I I, it was like a do or die moment i was like yeah, I, I, I can salvage yeah. just it's like when you nag a girl it's like there's a moment where you can like salvage the relationship or it could just go off the deep end so but i, I don't like, even oh, remember that i remember I but you asked me it was like not, when you asked me to be on the show it was just like come on the podcast yeah, and yeah well, talk, well, then, about, about a tweet that i had I'd tweeted that i swear i wasn't being snarky with the tweet that i had sent out it's just it's the end of the decade, so a lot of people are talking about like you know like their favorite mo- mo- movies of the decade, which is like like what you like. I I, re- I just actually released my you know it's a little over sixty of my favorite movies of the decade. Oh wow! <clears throat> and um, yeah, just certain movies like Arrival or uh, yep. Inherent Vice. Certain movies are like when they came out, some people liked them, but I didn't hear anything about them for years, and then suddenly they're the greatest ever. And I just you know, and I never said they were bad. I think that's another thing too. Especially with film Twitter, it's like all or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's weird because there's certain movies that I actually like, but I never even say that I like because they're the kind of movies where you have to either love them or hate them. And and some movies I'm like, oh, it's good. Like the the biggest insult I have for some movies are just like I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it's they're yeah. fine. And then like right. once you say they're fine, then people think you hate it. It's just really weird. People but, uh, people are drawing yeah. tribal lines based on their aesthetic choices right now more true. than anything. True. I think. I mean, true. I, I really th- this is one of like my, my favorite topics is because I grew up in a very Italian family, oh, nice. and so like my identity was like drilled into me. So I rebelled oh. against that identity. But I grew up with a lot of people in my generation and a younger generation that were basically raised with no identity. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to fabricate their identity by their what movies they like, how they dress, all this stuff. 
So I think it's very funny because, yeah. first of all, like Arrival, I think w- I liked better when it was Slaughterhouse Five. Like I felt like that story. I really thought that I movie was so. I didn't even think about that. Overrated. That. The whole yeah. the the everything about that movie. I felt like I had seen. Yeah, and a big, a big thing for me, too, is I was anticipating it because I started to kind of get into uh, Denis Villeneuve. Not like he's some great, but, like, I enjoyed Sicario. More yeah. so just the tone and the mood, like yeah. the soundtrack specifically. Uh, I liked Enemy, so... Um, and uh, what was the other Jake Gyllenhaal? The oh, I, Prisoners. Yeah, yeah. So when it came to Arrival, I was like, oh, I think this is... Because I actually love Forrest Whitaker, even though he wasn't, like, one of the main actors pushed. He was still in it, and I like Amy. I like everyone in it. And then yeah. when I saw it, I was just kind of let down. I, I'll never say the movie's like terrible or trash, but it was just like, ah, I thought this could have been... It was a kernel of an idea. You know, and that's interesting what you say, too. A big thing about my site, my podcast, everything, like when it comes to film identity, it's always like, I love... How do I say it? I love Tarkovsky just as much as I love, like, uh, Lauren Avedon or Jean-Claude Van Damme or, or something like that. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And I think there really is this, like... And I think a lot of... What my podcast is, it does focus on like the Tarkovskys, the Bergmans, and there is like a line drawn in the sand. So when I tweet about like Van Damme or when I tweet about like Dolph Lundgren, people think I'm being like sarcastic. It's like, no, I swear to God, I like these. It's not, it's, there's no, I, I I mean, I'll say like, like maybe one or two movies that I, oh, this is so good, it's bad. But generally speaking, if I like something, I like something. It's too exhausting. It just gets too confusing to be like, like, do you like this or not? Are you yeah. just being, and, and I think it, it's... I mean, maybe this is why we now. vibe, because like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I have no irony. I'm earnest about everything. Sure. And, and I, I, I mean, one of the threads of this podcast is that I think Predator deserves much the same kind of critical analysis than that Orson Welles or Hitchcock or something else I think does. It's, I think it, and I have to say, fine, we all have to say finally, but I think it's getting that. I think there are some day one, like, Predator folks who are just like, no, this is, this movie is very important. Let, let's, like, really break this down. But for the most part, only in the last maybe, like, five to ten years has that movie really started yeah. to, have people seen, like, the, the genius of it. Like, I mean, I, I think, know, I mean, I think it, it requires, that's why I really don't like to watch too many new movies, because I, mm. even with the, the new TV shows, I'm like, if this is important, in ten years I'll hear about it, and then I'll go watch it. Yeah. And that's I like so, saving stuff. Like, I actually haven't seen any smart. Tarkovsky, and I'm, I'm like, save, I'm saving certain things. Do you know it's what good. I mean? Especially so, now, things are so disposable and fast. But I love, like, like I love Vincent yeah. Gallo, and I saw that you talked about Gallo on your... That's my absolute I, favorite. Dude, B- Buffalo 66 is one of my all-time favorite. Absolutely. And it's a piece of art. It's Absolutely. A, it's an artwork that happens to be a film made by a guy who d- decided that there were no rules... And he was just going to do whatever he wanted. And he took a gamble because the film that he shot that on, there was kind of a 50-50 chance the film might not uh, look the way it was supposed to. Oh, really? You know, yeah, yeah. He, he used this, like, old stock film, and there was a chance that, like, it could have been ruined. Like, he, he, kinda, he was kind of – it was like a leap, leap of faith. Yeah. And while I do think Buffalo 66 is his best movie, I actually like the Brown Bunny more on a personal level, which is another th- – anytime I tweet about that, which is quite a bit on Twitter, people think I'm joking. They're like, no, I swear to God. that I, Like, if you've been through – heartbreak if you've been through relationships it's like that is one aspect of heartbreak and sadness where it's just like you just want to drive be by yourself think about you know your significant other you know that 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 hurt you um i like his music too yeah. uh, some he, of his antics maybe not so much but generally speaking i think he's a very talented uh, uh, renaissance he's one of my favorite guy, artists actually. and like it's i'm sicilian from jersey he's sicilian from buffalo that's right and yeah. he gets the family like the, the parents in buffalo 66 make me cringe because i recognize that Ex- yeah. Ex- as yeah. being exactly correct sure. and so sure. and so funny 
But I mean, we can go on forever. This stuff. Yeah. But we we also could go on forever, which for the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and I hate to cut you off, but we're going to have to switch out the cord. So. Okay. So yeah, we could talk forever about a ton of different movies, but let's talk. Let's go deep on this movie, with Raising Arizona, which yes. is um, I uh, without exaggeration, one of maybe the two or three movies I'm most excited to talk about on this podcast that we haven't done yet. It's this, it's Witness, and it's Blade Runner for me that are like my three Man, those huge. Those are all nostalgic movies. Those all take me to like a specific point. Yeah. Well, again, so wow. let's not talk about Witness or Blade yeah, Runner. We'll no, have you no, back no, if you no, want no. to. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, but sure. Raising yeah. Arizona, huge part of my childhood. Obviously, at the time, didn't know who the Coen brothers are. Now my relationship with the Coens has changed uh, everything about that. But yeah, I, um, you, I mean, you brought it up. I was excited when you brought it up. So I'd love to hear your your take on Raising Arizona. Yeah, this is, um, <clears throat> for me, in my opinion, I think this is, like, top three Coen brothers. And that's all, you know, that, that's up for debate. But, like, like I was saying, from a nostalgic standpoint, I was born in Queens, but we moved to Massachusetts uh, when I was seven. Mm. And when we moved to Massachusetts, that's the first time we got cable. So in 1988, <clears throat> uh, this is maybe this. This might be, like, the one of the first movies I saw on cable. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this was back in, like, that late 80s period of HBO they just had a block of stuff where they just like repeated it all mm-hmm. the time. So you yeah. could like, you could just guarantee like at eight o'clock on this day, and then at like maybe midnight on the, like they're gonna play Raising Arizona. And I remember yeah. like you know I was seven when I first saw this. So as a seven year old, I saw some weird stuff because of my dad. But at the same time, when it comes to like comedy tone, weird ambiance, there wasn't much at the time. I don't think any seven-year-old could say they had seen anything like Raising Arizona. And to this day, I still kind of feel that way. Like, there's some heartfelt moments. There's really weird, surreal moments. Yeah. The camera work can go from really, like... Zany. Droning. <laughs> yeah. well, zany Sorry, and, like, yeah. zooming in. Or, yeah. like, drony and really, like... It just, like, the camera work sometimes makes you, like, just go in, like, deep thought. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. it's very... Um, yeah. It, it's Sorry it's to really cut you awesome off. Movie. I just thought that the no. camera work... Uh, so this um this is... I think this movie, for me, and I, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but a lot of the movies we do, I've been seeing for the first time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, he ex- yeah, he right. So, yeah, Peter's going to explain that. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> um, so, this is the movie. I think I'm. I, I think I'm going to say it. I'm most happy I do this podcast because of finding this movie. This is my favorite movie I've found. Sure. Oh, so you wait, by 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 doing the podcast with you and, awesome. and seeing Peter. it for the first time. Yes. Oh, okay. Good. Because because so there's so a number of movies. Most of them I've seen. I'm seeing for the first time. Some of them are like like the Princess Bride. We just did. I had seen that. Um, you know, there was a bunch that I had seen, but I'd say over seventy percent of them, over seventy five percent I haven't seen. This is it's hilarious. It's crazy. It's uh, it's so good. Yeah. I am such. A, I was an instant fan. I watched it. That was my third time watching it. Yeah. When uh, Marcus got here, oh, I was wow. watching it again. Yeah. I, this movie it's is so good. This movie, like, much like the like, uh, I was. I had such low expectations. I'm yeah. sorry because I didn't even know it was Coen Brothers. I went into it just knowing Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay, that's, a, that's, no, that's a good point you bring up. I think, and on and and on a certain hand, this is a good thing. I think the longer directors' filmographies go, mm. sometimes their earlier stuff gets forgotten about and not even intentionally it's just like yeah they still weren't like this is young cohen's they weren't like oscar contenders they weren't like mm-hmm. some of the biggest names yet mm-hmm. so a lot of times people will start you know like it's from it's almost like from fargo up yes is yeah. when people and not that everyone people you know people love blood simple and, and this and mm-hmm. stuff like that but it's like from blood simple up is when they started to be taken like super serious yeah 
And then I think from that moment on is when, uh, you know. This movie. Like, yeah, I think you're right about much that. Much like a, like a biker from the apocalypse. Like this movie has always lived with me. Like I don't, rem- I don't have a memory of not knowing this movie. <laughs> sure. And it's funny because it was a p- huge part of my childhood. Obviously I had no idea uh, what great filmmaking was. I didn't know why it was great. I just, it just lived with me. And then I, I was away from it for many years. And I remember I think I was in college and I was talking to somebody who was – studying film mm-hmm. and they said oh we studied raising arizona and i was like that's a weird movie to study They're like no actually the the cinematography in that movie is is groundbreaking sure. and we like that's a movie that people study and so that made me go back to the movie as an adult and i was like oh my god this is, this is a masterpiece yeah Same. and i love the fact i think i mean i'm i you know i, I see tarantino when it comes out I, there's a lot of filmmakers like early wes anderson is important to me but Less and less all the time. Certain PT Anderson is important to me, but less and less all the time. Like there's certain guys like James Gray, I I ride or die with. Oh, that's the, awesome. The Coens, more and more to me, they're the most important film. Like I think No Country for Old Men is is the best film of the last twenty years, wow. bar none. And it's a movie that I've watched thirty times. And <laughs> I think their movies. I watched Hail Caesar last week three times for no reason. Oh, like back, awesome. and I it just it just cause. They have movies that are completely unwatchable, and I think we all know which ones those are. And then I think almost every other one of those films is a masterpiece. And this is one of those movies where you go back and watch it, and it's just it's it's like a miracle. These guys, like it, I I remember being a kid, be like, I didn't know you could do this stuff. Yeah. I didn't know you could make a movie this way. Honestly, you can't. Like, you can't. And that's why this can. movie is so great. Yeah. I, I mean, this. The 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 characters, the plot, it's kind of like they hit it's one of a kind. I, I just don't see sure. this on paper being a sellable movie. No, it's, it's at all. It's no. there it sounds yeah. too crazy. I just love like we're gonna steal a baby, but it's gonna be hilarious and also have meaning at some yeah, point. Like it's what? so interesting. There there are two Jewish guys from Minneapolis, two brothers. They went to NYU and they met where they met Barry Sonnenfeld, who was the cinematographer yeah. on this movie, mm-hmm. and they just started making movies. And then each one of their movies takes place in a different environment that is, has no connection to them as far as I know. You know, they started in Texas with Blood Simple. Sure. Then they moved to Arizona with this. and then like, North as, Dakota or whatever. Well, Miller's Crossing is next, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a – they don't tell you what city it is. but yeah. And they just they're, – they're just like sui generis like geniuses. Like sure. I don't even – it doesn't even make sense. And the writing, like the scripts themselves, there's so much mystery, and I love the ambiguity. I love that they don't explain themselves. I love that people could argue that they're nihilists and crypto conservatives, and right. they're Jewish, but like all, there's a lot of like 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 subtle Christian like stuff in their films. Like you can't make heads or tails of it. All you can do is just sort of enjoy it. Yeah. And there's like there's supernatural elements that are not explained, oh, of course. which starts with this movie. Um, with the with the, uh, the, uh, the 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 biker from the apocalypse, and they allude to their mo- like I'm rewatching Raising Arizona, and it's making me think of Big Lebowski. It's making me think of No Country for Old Men. Yeah, and it's I one I wished them and K- Nicholas Cage would you know make amends mm-hmm. and, yeah. and make another movie. I would love to see them. I do think he's almost perfect for their their oh, type of movie. They yeah. yeah, it was it was a marriage made in heaven, and I, something must have happened. Because yeah. because Holly Hunter and John Goodman yeah. went on to become regulars of sure. of the Cohen brothers. Francis McDormand also. She's, oh, she's also she's in the there. Wife, so. mm-hmm. um, and for whatever reason, them and, and Cage had a falling out. And especially since there's like there's like a little bit like a mini Nicolas Cage Renaissance percolating. Yeah. Like with Nick, Mandy last year was I thought it was incredible. 
I would love to see them yeah, together again. I, I honestly think I agree. I I just hope that anything's possible. And I, and I think I almost feel like you spoke that into existence. I, I I feel like something like that would happen. I just after seeing Color Out of Space at uh, Toronto th- this this year, Nicholas Cage is great in it's the new Richard Stanley. Uh, film. Yeah, you were saying it to me, but I didn't. I don't. It's, I haven't it's heard of it. Good. It's definitely in the vein of Mandy. It, it, it's it's another lo- uh, Lovecraft at, at, at Lovecraft at adaptation, but from seeing the last couple of Nicolas Cage movies in the theater, you kind of have to sift through. I just think there'd be so much hype. I would just like a toned down version because nowadays Nicolas Cage, like yeah, he does the whole crazy thing, but it's like people just want that. Like like in Color Out of Space, like the opening scene, he's just sitting on the porch sip, sipping coffee. And there's all this like ironic laughter in the theater, and it's kind of like when it's like you knew he was in the movie first of all, so it's not a surprise. And it's like he didn't do anything crazy yet. Like you don't have to laugh. Like not, I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to be like a, a cranky guy, but it's like just it'll happen, and it does happen. But just you know, um, well, yeah. see, it seems like your problem there is more with like the audience's true, 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 expectations, true, 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 which true. is uh, true. definitely there, true, and unfortunate, I think, because it it, it kind of ruins what the movie could be. Yeah. Or is he, trying to be because Nicholas because it's not I, peop, I, I do not everyone but people also forget he's one of the Spider Men in Spider Verse like he's like there, there's a nice uh, handful of like movies now like with this Nick, Nicholas Cage yeah. Renaissance I think a Coen Brothers well he's would interesting be awesome. because he well yeah is, he's he's made some uh, I got to be honest yeah. he's the most interesting actor to me because yeah. he's he's been I mean almost laughably bad in in some roles and yeah. then he's been phenomenal in other roles and, and then there's like a crossover he's been great in bad movies yes and terrible in, in terrible good, movies in terrible movies and good and great yeah like well it's yeah all face that, off is a yeah. ridiculous awful movie in my opinion I oh think really that, would you enjoy face off i don't for know what it, it's not like i think going <laughs> I think in that that's a movie going in i know what it is right so well, i'm not well, okay, gonna okay that's fair because i don't think know. nicholas cage ruins the movie i think it's just a, a horrible plot and the way that yeah. like john travolta has to use the just to like the feeling of the face as like that's how he knows his wife is sure it's or, uh, god i or, or i'm not the only person that was the that. moment yeah i know about I'm not. that one that, was, that kind of ruined it for me it's like that take that was be- that was the yeah. beginning and i i said this once before but like because uh i i love travolta like in get shorty and, and pulp fiction but like you know uh pulp fiction resurrects travolta's career but Michael Madsen was supposed to get that role as Vincent in Pulp Fiction, and yeah. he didn't get it in Travolta. And I and I said to somebody recently, I was like, if if Tarantino uh, had known what was going to happen with Travolta, would he regret putting him in Pulp? Fiction? Like, wow, because no, he, it's his not. fault. Like all these terrible movies. That, like Travolta is somebody who's no, can be no, so great. No, because Tra- John Travolta for a couple of years, John Travolta had it. That was his to mess up, which he definitely did. Yeah, well, he has yeah. terrible it instincts. Was, like you said, career get, instincts is what I'm saying. Get shorty. Like if I'm John, Tra- if, if I'm Quentin Tarantino, like 95, 96, 97, 98, I'm still seeing John Travolta strive and prosper so from that moment like all the dumb things you did like that's on him. once he does oh, michael totally in battlefield on. earth tarantino's yeah. gotta be like this is that's my when fault. it started this is partially yeah, my fault it's yeah. not it, no it's all john travolta's terrible decision making but yeah. saturday Night fever incredible blowout incredible yeah, 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 Pulp Fiction, get shorty like of course it, like and and with actually with cage too what's interesting because travolta was a child actor cage yeah. is is uh coppola's nephew right yeah so grew up in you know surrounded by artists 
uh, was doing student films as a kid, like grew yeah. up with other his brother's celebs. a filmmaker, a lesser yeah. known, but still his brother's a and, filmmaker. And you know, was doing stuff as a teenager. And one of those people, like like Jeff Bridges, is another one where it's like yeah. for some actors, it's just in their bones, yep. yeah. and they can't help. And they're so natural on screen yeah. that I bet that they can't even they can't even help themselves. Like sure. I, you can't imagine Nicolas Cage doing anything else nope. besides no. being an actor. And I mean, and guys like Jeff Bridges and him, they don't even bother to like direct or anything else. Like they just know that this is what sure what they do, and. I just yeah, it's just it's one of those. But this performance is so natural. It's like so it's, good. He's not acting no. like a goofy, crazy guy. No, he's no, like, no, no. He, from the from the first moment where he's doing the lineup, like to the right. Yeah, you know, it's like he's just in that character, and then yeah. with the fucking the, the the pantyhose on his head. Yeah, like there's so much comedy in this movie. And his run, the way he yeah. runs, is very underrated. I remember like when I was in the second grade, noting like, oh, he runs really goofy. Like the, like his <laughs> run stood out to me. Yeah, <laughs> and we it, we could talk about cases forever, but like Holly Hunter. Yeah. Is yeah, an yeah. all time unbelievable. Like she did this, she did broadcast news. Yeah. She's one of those. She's great in a small part in the firm. Yeah, where she plays oh, Gary right. Busey's You're secretary right. in that right. movie. Yeah. Uh, she's like again, like a, just a fucking like a firecracker, like yeah. an unbelievable. And for her and Frances McDormand to be friends, yeah, and roommate, like and and for like kind of trade off, like one of them stars in one Coen's Brothers movie and then the other one stars exactly. in the other yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And John Goodman. John Goodman like was basically discovered around this time. Was a, I believe a Broadway actor, and then mm-hmm. has had a, one of the all time well, yeah, like, great he had Revenge careers. of the Nerds. That's right. That, that, that he's the years football before, coach. Yeah, football. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. what a career! Yeah. Yeah. The guy does ten yeah. years on one of like the top sitcoms of all time. Right? Has is like tap- I know. I forget about his TV. Yeah, oh, I am. huge. I yeah, yeah. And yeah. he had another TV show. To, it lasted for like a season. But do you remember uh, that other sitcom he no. had? I don't know. He no. was like, um, oh my gosh! Yeah, he. It was like. The whole thing of the show was he was gay, but he was like just the guy's guy. Like he was uh, like okay. whatever. And but like like yeah, the show didn't last for really. Yeah, I right. always forget about Roseanne. All during oh, Roseanne, yeah. he was doing like the Cohen. Yeah, stuff he's a theater actor. Like he's done. And that was I mean, Roseanne was, and I wasn't even really. Oh, and a, True Stories was before Raising, which which True Stories kind of has a Raising Arizona vibe. Yeah, the mm. talking because that was eighty five, I think mm. eighty five or eighty six. Um, but yeah, so and then Raising Arizona was eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, okay. But this is this is definitely like the first John Goodman movie where it was like. Because no one, I mean, okay, he's in, no one remembers the football coach from Avengers and it's all the other stuff. Right. For like yeah. true stories, it like that movie's all about the talking heads. Where it's like this, definitely, it's like the yelling, like the fight that John Goodman and Nicolas Cage get into in the bathroom when mm-hmm. he's like hanging off of his back and everything. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he he come like John Goodman comes from that like, and there's actors like that today, not so many, but there's like. John Goodman, Forrest Whitaker, Vincent D'Onofrio, Yafit yeah. Koto, where it's like these large, like hulking guys yeah. who have range. You yes. know what I'm saying? Which is rare, which is like. I love me some Yafit Koto. It is very rare. Yafit Koto's come up a few times in this podcast. I love Yafit Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, John Goodman, I'm a huge. Like, Walter in Lebowski is one of my favorite yeah. characters yeah, of absolutely. all absolutely. time. That's a really great one. He's such an unbelievable actor. And he, it just, like, his. It's weird to say, for a guy who's basically had, like, an all-time great career still doesn't really get his due. Yeah, like his. I don't know that he's ever been nominated for an Oscar. I, I believe he's, he's like won universally. No, he's won Emmys. I, I think Oscars are bullshit up. anyway. But he was nominated for a Golden Globe for Babe. Mm. Oh, that's weird. And then he didn't get the Oscar nom. But that was a big. That's uh, famously. That's one of. Uh, you can look this up. It's one of Al Pacino's top five favorite performances. Uh, oh, really? From an actor, him, him and Babe. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I think they're they're yeah. like well, they Sea of Love. That's another. That was yeah. kind of a coming out for a good man because that was that was uh, Pacino's yep. kind of refer- return from the wilderness. A lot of that movie was uh, was shot in the Bronx and Queens, and there's like one. Uh, 
like clubby scene where my dad and one of his close friends are like in the in the background of that movie oh, no just shit. as extras yeah so it's funny when you oh, mention see really like, yeah yeah like they don't not have any lines or anything but yeah. like they're in the background though. there oh, i so i cool. would i'm um i'm bad with i'm good with remembering lines but whatever we get on the podcast i always maybe because i get too excited i forget yeah lines. but i actually put like Two of the funniest lines that I think this movie. Th- this is what the Coen's brothers do. This is I, this is true of Lebowski too. There's so many amazing funny lines that are famous that I sometimes and I go back and I watch just to notice the non-famous funny mm-hmm. lines. So one of them is "Chairs, you get a dinette set. No chairs, you get dick." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> and then Cage saying biology and the prejudices of others conspired to keep us childless. Yeah, like it's fucking poetry. Like yeah, they're that, literally that's like writing beautiful. hillbilly poetry. <laughs> and that, the way he says it is like, yeah, like yeah. conspired to make It's like super hillbilly to me. Like and I, I've never gotten to the bottom of this because I grew up in a family where movies and books and stuff were not that important. But I was always like obsessed, and I was always somebody that I felt like I had to devour everything and learn everything, and so. For me, there was something about the fantasy of the movies that I wanted to, and not that my regular regular life was just wasn't it wasn't moving fast enough for me. It wasn't that I had like a bad childhood or anything. It was that regular life was I wanted the movie, like I wanted the adventure, I wanted the glamour of the movies. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those movies where, as a kid, I was like, I want to live in this world. <laughs> I want to fucking rob. Convenience stores and and steal a baby. You know what I mean? It's just like is, is <laughs> obviously yeah. the lesson of this movie is not live this way. No, but for me, yeah. it's like well, it's like you know people watch Scarface and they're like, oh, I sure, want to be that sure. guy. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, is I wanted to. And that's be, obviously the opposite of the lesson. I wanted yeah. to be high. Like I wanted to be this character right. and live live this adventure. And and it's so sweet. Like they're. We were talking. Uh, they're so naive and uh, but criminals, but they're just like naive and sweet. But they're they're, they're so lovable. They're, I love how the Coen brothers do love stories in that it's very quick and it's yeah. very like it's very a couple of small moments tell you everything that you need to know yeah. about the relationship. That that opening sequence where he's doing the voiceover. Excuse me. It's literally. I can't believe I did that into the mic. <laughs> so, <Dude. bro. laughs> uh I had some pesto for lunch at some time. Uh, sometimes All right, so nobody needs to hear that. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like you know when in Up where you have the sequence in the beginning that tells oh. you. Oh man, tearjerker. Like, yeah, no. Sad, but this is not. This is not sad. But like in a in a quick sequence, it tells you. Oh, the, the ten whole, minutes in the beginning are phenomenal. The whole relationship, Sets up the whole thing, and it's and it's beautiful, and you believe it, and you and you believe that this guy would do whatever it takes to make this woman happy and hold on to her, and it. And it's hyster- It's also hysterical. It's, it's hysterical. It's farce. It's like fucking high, like a it's like a cartoon comedy. It's like yeah. a, well, he's, uh, Simon Peck said something like it's like Looney Tunes but real life characters. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he it doesn't. It, wow. There's yeah. a reason why he has the and he, would, and he said it with reverence. Like he loves the. Film. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Especially that shot when the supernatural thing you were talking about, where he's like having the dream and sort of like how him stealing the baby activated this presence of the yeah. bounty hunter sure and like that's almost if you've ever seen twin peaks that's almost like what happens in twin peaks which is very convoluted it's you funny know. you know i was gonna say that this was like that late 80s early 90s period uh the coens and lynch got compared a lot and to some degree around that time they traded off a lot of the actors i think that was a big part mm-hmm. of it i think wild at heart Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, they all th- and some of Twin Peaks, they all kind of have similar ambiance. Yeah, where it's like Nicolas Cage is in Raising Arizona and Wild at Heart, and uh, 
Oh, I feel so bad. He pa- he recently passed away. Um, the hitman from Miller's Crossing is the oh. hitman in Wild at Heart. Um, oh, you'll, well, well, he just from, passed away? From, well, not just, but, but, oh, but okay. from, oh, from Alien Resurrection. He's See, one I'm of worse the, than the you. Scientists. I can't even think of it at all. Oh, I feel so bad. I forgot this guy's name. From Alien Resurrection? Alien Resurrection. John Polito? No. No, no. He's the other hitman in, in Miller's Crossing. Oh, this is killing me. He's in Wild at Oh, Heart I know who you're talking about. I know he's got that about. face. He's he's yeah. not a famous actor. No, no, he's he never, not. It wasn't a big name, but he definitely. No. I mean, Miller's Crossing is another one that's phenomenal. But um, I'm on their IMDb. Cool. Got it. We'll get it. Yeah. See you, folks. Yeah. I just think yeah, that like um, people, you know, J. E. Freeman. There we go. J. E. Freeman. When people talk about like '80s movies, I th- they they generally like a lot of a lot of it is like tongue-in-cheek or snarky which we were talking about but like they don't i I think they forget like to me this is a quintessential 80s movie it's like you came out of the 70s like there's a new generation of young filmmakers they went to film school but they they decided to just make it up as they they went along yeah you know they gave young people a, a chance they used actors that were maybe you know guys like dan hedaya and um why can't I think of his name? Oh, M. Emmett Walsh, who's amazing in Blood Simple and also has a small part in this movie. They used some older guys that were around the business but not given really prominent roles and gave yeah. them bigger roles. And I, I, I just love the they're, – they're sort of like agents of chaos, the Coens. Like they yeah. just make – they make these things and they don't – you know, somebody – I was reading something recently like the, the musical number in Hail Caesar was – the like Hail Caesar's about Hollywood in the forties, right. and there's a scene where you know Josh Brolin's character walks in on the filming of a musical mm-hmm. with uh, Chatham Tatum, yeah. Tatum, and that's better than any musical that's been made probably in fifty years. That once and like they could just make a straight musical if they wanted to, and that's literally five minutes in in one of they their could. movies. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's they were. I mean, Buster Scruggs is. <clears throat> it starts off as a musical, yeah. and then, like I almost like I kind of want that. You know, with little breaks in between, but I would have loved Buster Strokes to be a musical from start to finish. Well, and that's also that's a movie that could have been three and a half hours. Give me that for three and a half hours, not. I'm not mad at overdone that. Like almost as, as, <laughs> oh, as yeah. Hoffa. I could have done. You know what? Give me 45 minutes less Hoffa, and Irishman is actually. That's and I love Pacino, but his his performance. Let's not make this an Irishman. His thing, performance but is completely one note to me. We can talk about the Irishman. I could have. I everything that I got out of his performance as Hoffa, I could have gotten in five minutes. I just with that, and I'll be quick. The, the, there were two prominent roles that I have to struggle with this year. It's Pacino as Hoffa and Eddie Murphy as Dolomite. They both were just themselves turned up to try and play real people. Mm. And then there's cases to be made where it's like they don't have to be them. But then sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, they. What's the point? That then it's like I understand it's Eddie Murphy and Al Pacino. These are still huge names. Um, but it's like if you're gonna be the character, be the character. And, yeah. But it's like. I, I like the over. I like the Irishman overall very much. Hardly a perfect movie, but that was one thing where it's just like Al Pacino annoyed me at times. But I also can't lie, and there were times when he literally he made me laugh out loud or just made me feel something. But then there are other times I'm just like, stop being you. Like be Jimmy yeah. Hoffa. Like, well, I mean, don't, don't, like don't don't be him in the most scientific way. But like, right. be, try to like do what you know. And it's so funny that the two big actors who played Jimmy Hoffa are such like. I mean, this with respect nowadays, they're kind of like caricatures of themselves. No, they Jack are. Nicholson I mean, and, and Al Pacino. For sure, they are. Yeah. I, I mean, Al Pacino, to like 10 out of 10, is a character of himself. But, at this point. but like, yeah. you go back and I, you know, 
his, Michael Corleone, I think, is the greatest movie character oh, yeah. of all time. Wow. And his performance <laughs> in The Godfather is so quiet and so small and so interesting. And then I, what I loved about The Irishman is Pesci – we have all this history with Pesci right. being big and over the top and scary as fuck. And a hothead. And he's, yeah, And no. he's so, like, like I just rewatched the scene where he basically, where he tells De Niro that, that, that he's got to be involved in the killing of Hoffa. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler, uh, Jimmy <laughs> Hoffa's dead. Uh, and he just, he gives a quick look. He's like, this, we got to do this. That's yeah. it. And, and it just, and you, because you, he knows the baggage that we as audience members bring to yeah. it. Or th- maybe Scorsese knows. And, and, and but I think, I think, Pesci, was, I think was, Pesci's a very, con- that's a conscious decision on his, and on he, his yeah. part. An even more subtle moment is when early on in the Irishman, when uh, Frank messes up and he's. Not anymore, but he has to have the sit down with Harvey yeah. Keitel, and then he's just like, "You have a really good friend. I don't think you know." But then it just pens, and Joe Pesci's just looking at him like, "I, you have no idea what yeah. I just did to thing, save your ass." And it's I, just all, all in his eyes. Could I know? get a little more Harvey Keitel? Oh, don't give me start- three See, and a half hour movie. You can't give me more than two minutes of Harvey Keitel because that's his day one guy, man. Yeah. Like, look, I get it, De Niro and Scorsese. And Pacino and Scorsese never worked together. But it's like, when we're talking day one, Harvey Keitel was day yeah. one. De Niro was Brian De Palma's day one. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah, I, yeah. But the character that Harvey Keitel played, it just kind of, it is what it is. I mean, Harvey Keitel is my favorite male actor. So you can, all the oh, rollout really? and everything was really just, it was irritating the shit out Bad of me. Bad Lieutenant? Um, yeah. Oh, great movie. I, I, spent, I spent time with Abel Ferraro. It was one of the most insane I met him. I met him. Life. I met him a couple of times. The first time I met him, he was so like inviting. He had this like entourage with him, and I just I wanted to go shake his hand and get a picture. And then he did. And then later on, a few minutes later, there was like the sit down at the movie theater, and he saw me, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, this guy's here." And then I was like, and then people sitting around me were like, "Do you know Abe? Do you know?" Abe? I was like, "No, I just took a picture with him like a few minutes ago." It was really weird. They thought I was like a buddy of his. But, yeah, uh, so I'm not yeah. actively <laughs> acting right now, but That's I started crazy. as an actor, and my my good friend through circumstance became. Uh, his assistant on the movie that he did with Gerard Depardieu, where he played uh, based welcome on the, to New York. That yeah, was welcome. one of my favorite. Two thousand. That was one of my. That was in my top ten. Of so he was his personal assistant on that movie, wow. and he had. I guess at the time, Abel was like in his sixties. His girlfriend was like some twenty-something no-name actress. She's and, in. Um, she's in. A, yeah, she's, she's in. Um, the uh, four forty-four with Lynn Foe. Yeah, so she has she, a small part in Public Enemies. Too. So she needed to go to Providence, Rhode Island, to pick up her cats. Oh. And their driver that the movie was going to get for them uh, wanted to charge them like 700 bucks to drive her to Providence. Mm-hmm. So Mike asks me, and I go, tell him I'll do it for 350 mm-hmm. So the next morning, <laughs> I pick her up. I had my brother give – I said – I call my brother up. This is, a, this, is how, this is what I love about being Sicilians. I call my little brother. I go, listen, Rob, I can't tell you why, but I need your car. I need it by this time tomorrow and – wash it for me he goes okay so we switch cars because he had a nicer car than oh, me i was going somewhere i didn't that sounds way i thought you were like, hey i gotta drive abel ferrara it's like no i need you no, to wash I, it. That's so like, i oh, picked her up doesn't tell him what he's doing and and it's just a dick move dude I, no no i explained it later yeah. and so that's I, a law and order moment mike, so dramatic my friend dude. mike goes listen she's she can be difficult you just got to let her know that you're like in control and whatever so immediately she's like upset about traffic i'm like it's gonna be okay we we go we drive through <laughs> oh, connecticut man. we go to dunkin donuts she Jeez. orders like a soy latte and she goes i don't think this is soy and i was like well why don't you ask them to fix it she goes no 
And so she just puts it on the counter and just walks. Like, she can't handle Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, like, oh, this boy. is very oh, boy. interesting. Woo. We go, we get to the cats. We're talking, though. She's like, oh, she's like, Abel's going to love you. Because, you know, I'm, I was talking about my Italian dad, and we have a farm. She goes, yeah, we've been in Italy. Like, Abel would love to go see, like, a farm while he's here, all this mm-hmm. stuff. So she's like, you got to meet Abel. I was like, this is great. This is what I did this for. I was hoping to, like, And weasel. you were, you know, pursuing an acting career. I was, was going to try to weasel my way into meeting <laughs> Abel Farrar and getting it put in this movie. So the, the, the production is also paying for them to have some, like, $5,000 a month luxury apartment in Williamsburg. So I bring her Shit. there. We go in there. And he's typing away on his laptop. And he's literally going, these motherfuckers. He goes, they fucking, they give you two years to work on a fucking script, and then they want fucking rewrites in a fucking week. Fuck these motherfuckers. And I was like, all right, guys, well, I'm gonna go. And he goes, no, 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 stick around, man. He's got that real like, <laughs> he's like Italian, but he's got that like, he like he thinks he's Puerto Rican from yeah. like the 70s. Oh yeah. shit, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That, we're looking at a photo. It, it, it's one of it's the more recent one. This wasn't. And the, um, so he goes oh, stick nice he goes one. stick around. He goes, you a film guy, man? I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm totally. Yes, he's that. like. He's like, he's like, yeah, stick around, man. We're going to take a walk. And so then he proceeds to put on a sweater like no one has ever – like he couldn't figure out how the sweater went on. So he's sitting there with like a sweater like twirling around his head. Wow. Finally gets the sweater on. He goes, we're going to take a walk, man. And then we're walking around Williamsburg. He goes, this is a rich ghetto, man. You know what a rich ghetto is? He goes, people don't know that a gallon of milk is not supposed to cost $8, man. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> <That> sounds like <laughs> – So that's how we talk. So we go into um, – we go into a bodega, and he needs to get a dustpan, which he doesn't know what that is. And he's like, you know the thing where you sweep the thing? And I was like, a dustpan? He goes, yeah, man, one of those. Yeah. And like a spatula. <laughs> this, this, I would love to see this movie. Go on. And exactly. We're, <laughs> spending, we're talking, and it's cool. He's like, yeah, you're a f-. He goes, are you sag, man? I'm like, no. but you know, but He goes, I like you, man. And then he tells Mike, he's like, I like your friend. I'm going to find a, a, a room for him in the movie. And then I never hear back from uh, him. Uh, you know, was, he probably, probably just wanted to do it. Yeah, no, yeah, he did. But he yeah. got distracted it's, and then got distracted from that distraction. Yeah. It's funny sure. because... And it, he's like, what's a dustpan? I can't wh- figure it out. One of the reasons I'm doing stand-up now is because I had all these like moments yeah. in acting where the thing never led to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I met Abel and nothing happened. There was a playwright that she told me she loved me after this one audition. And then I found out that they were doing like five of her plays in a row as a festival, and she didn't even call me in to audition. So I was oh, like, man. so I was like, this is that was my experience with acting, and I was like, fuck this, what makes the most sense? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'm funny, I'll just go be com- do comedy and instantly be successful because all you have to do is be funny. Yeah. Okay. So then I later learned how the comedy business worked, but it, it was you one did. Of the, well, I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> just, just saying. Tell me like, how it works. Well, no, please. I'm just saying. Like, I learned that just being funny has nothing to do with. It's something. There's, to there's, do with there's it. all these other I would, I, let elements. Me, I would interject real quick, and we're not going to go too much into comedy or anything, but. It's a little more um, merit based than acting, I would say, in the beginning at least. I think know? it's it's much more, but there's still uh, elements to it that you have to just learn just by doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, yeah, and it, through through experience. And it's yeah. true that my frustration with acting is not at all what my experience with comedy has been because I do feel that my good my hard work has been rewarded more yes. in comedy than it ever As was. As you have gotten acting. objectively better or seemingly yeah. objective, you've gotten more work. Yeah, and, Which is and that acting, it's like you have no idea. N- nobody knows. It's even yeah. more mysterious. But uh, yeah, Abel Ferrard. I haven't thought about him in a while. But that was that was a fun. That was that was him. That was my only experience with him. And then my my friend Mike just kept complaining about him, and then never worked on a movie production ever again. Um, where wow, were we? Was, with, was a fun raising game, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah back to raising. We were we, we were we got there because of the Irishman stuff, and yeah, I just yeah. I thought it was an interesting point that uh, Marcus brought up with the. Uh, Almost like actors being too famous or characters of themselves, like Eddie Murphy and and um, and Al Pacino. Al Pacino, I guess, like 
He could have tried to be Hoffa instead of ha- making Hoffa like Al Pacino. Yeah. You know? And, like, it's fine to make... I guess a lot of people are, are looking for Hoffa to be played by Al Pacino and feel like Al Pacino's playing him, but... Yeah. I don't know. I think as an actor, it would be a more impressive job to like be more subtle about it and try to be sure. the character. I don't know. I, I think I, I, my problem with Pacino, like De Niro, did, I think did a. I don't know. Uh, he did. He's uh, he's still no. De Niro at this point, he's going to be De Niro. But there were sure. some moments where he acted. Yeah, it, it wasn't nonstop Al Pacino. Right, like how, right, how, how right. Al Pacino was. I just my saying. problem with Pacino's performance is I just found it. Like it was just a straight line. Yeah, I, 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 there's other because he does like he my I, he he does what I call I'm Al Pacino acting. Like that's he's just like I'm Al Pacino. Yeah, like that's literally yeah, what he's yeah, doing. Yeah. I mean, that's what he did in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. And he's only in it for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but but um, it's very one note. It's I mean, like I wanted some more color to his yeah. performance because because again because then I'm like why am I seeing this guy for this much if I'm if I already know what I who this guy you know what I mean like if you're gonna show me. This much of this character show me something different about this character. I think it's just he's a prime example, and and enough. This isn't like a gossipy thing. Like enough stuff is out there to know that like after the eighties, it's kind of like, and also to a guy like Al Pacino, all you did in the seventies, all you did in the eighties, it's kind of like you're the man, yeah. and he just kind of. Not intentionally, but it's just a lot of it is he eventually surrounded himself by just people who wouldn't tell him no. Yes, yeah. man. And yeah. then and, and and but that's true. But it's also you don't even need to know it to be true. It's just evident in a lot of the roles he took. You know, kind of. Well, I guess after Heat, he still did some good some stuff. But generally, I think he got, for like twenty years, he did like a lot of terrible stuff. And some stuff. And sometimes his performances are terrible. And I think that comes from a place just being grounded. And I think. Um, I don't know what that is. I mean, you hear like the directors that came after that Scorsese, Coppola, you know, when you read it enough, those mm-hmm. filmmakers like had like their actors or their writers, producers like tell it like, don't do this. Like, don't you know what I mean? Like, no matter how successfully I think that's important to like yes. keep, keep yourself grounded and be like, you know, or when you do something and you give someone something for feedback, don't. Do it for no, like expect to get some criticism only yes. so you can make it better. I just wish more people, and this is outside of movies, just in this general, this applies to everything, yeah. Like, they, like, there's bet, like, if this is terrible, it's just like ignore that because that's pointless. But it's like, hey, I don't think you should do this because, da, da, da. like, that's the like, that's really, really good, good advice. Don't just have someone keep jerking you off all the time because yes. you're just gonna start to believe, and yeah. then you and then you turn into what we have, what Al Pacino is t- today, absolutely. Honestly. I agree, and and yeah. that's how you get really bad stand ups, too. Yeah, it's like, like really famous stand ups that get worse over time. It's like, why is their first album so good? Yeah, because that took them 10 years to yeah. come up with that yeah. hour, yeah. and yeah. everyone told them no, or like nobody yeah. really cared so about, about them. A fight and angry. Yeah. yeah, I they, listen they, to Godfrey's podcast. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, our yeah. our yeah. friend is on that. That's yeah. Andre, that's Andre, Andre Kim, Kim is a good friend of ours. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. I listen to all the, Oh, that's awesome. I listen to that show all, and they, that, like, the way they talk about stand-up is really, really cool. I've, I've been, never wanted to be it, but I think yeah. discovering Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn in my early 20s, that made me so, and then like I remember before I moved to New York, I was living in Connecticut. Then Even my early years in New York, I used to hang out I used to go to Mamoons, and they're like, just some nights, I'm not even lying, some nights it would be like Patrice, Godfrey, Robert Kelly, Bill Burr, just hanging out outside, and it's like, 
Oh, <laughs> they're they're right there. Like you know what I mean. Like it was the really show good. right and there, talking man. shit. Like yeah. you would think that they weren't. They were just saying the meanest things to each other. Patrice was so goddamn loud. You Especially hear him across Patrice, the street, yeah. and you knew that there was a crowd watching them. Like, oh, yeah. it, it was it, it was such a Patrice was oh, yeah, performing it was such a like hundred percent of the so time. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll tell you a quick Godfrey story. One of my proudest oh, yeah. moments of 2019. Like and I and I I've met Godfrey and Pasca a couple times, yeah. but like I mean obviously him and Andre are really close, and yeah. I'm really close with Andre. Yeah. So uh, excuse me, Godfrey does the Steve Harvey. Oh, yeah. uh, thing that yeah. goes hugely viral. Yeah. It's a huge thing, and he, um, we we know some like female comedian who one night she she told me and him separately like, oh, I saw Gilbert Gottfried earlier tonight. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like that's funny that you saw him. And then she's like, oh, doesn't he work with uh, Andre? And I was oh, like, oh no. Oh, oh. And no, I was like, she thinks Gottfried yeah, is yes. Gilbert Gottfried. So he calls him. He so Gottfried calls him Asian Andre. Yeah. And I said to and Andre is very deferential to him as you would be if you're mm-hmm. a young comic and you're you're with a huge star who's like taking you under his wing. Sure. But I was like, I was like, yo, Andre, one day when he calls you. Asian Andre, you should call him Black Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> and so he gets on one day and he goes, he goes, you know what? My, and he like, Andre, I love you, but he butchers the joke because he he gets on. He goes, oh, my friend bet me. This is on the podcast. On the podcast, he okay. goes, my friend bet me that I wouldn't call you Black Godfrey. Oh, no, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's not, not even it's not even the correct thing. It's not, not even well. the premise. The premise is not correct. Yeah, the line is yeah. correct. So Godfrey goes off. He's like, fuck. He goes, I can guarantee you that guy is not funny. That guy will never be a comedian. Oh, all this stuff. And, oh no! And he go, but then he got me. Goes he goes. You know, I call you Asian Andre, and that's funny because it's two A's. It's like a little. And I'm like, oh man. So he, Godfrey actually got a little bit roasted in the comments. Be like, really, Godfrey? Two A's is funny, but Black Gilbert Godfrey is not funny. Yeah. So maybe later that night or the next night, I I run into the two of them, and Andre goes, "This is my friend that said to call you." And God, you know, Godfrey, like he's so charming. He's like, oh man. He's like, I was like, listen, dude. He, I was like, Andre. It was like an inside joke between us because our friend doesn't know the difference between Gilbert Godfrey and you, and we like made a joke. And then he was really cool about it. So then he just started doing Steve Harvey to me, oh, which shit. Andre recorded, oh, which is man. somewhere out there in the internet. Oh yeah, it's got. Oh, so there's yeah. a there's a video <laughs> nice. of me like falling over laughing like on the sidewalk while Godfrey <laughs> like is doing is doing, doing Steve Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. It was like one oh, of my favorite amazing. moments of 2019. Oh, yeah, wow. that's amazing. Yeah, man. Um, no, Andre's really crushing it lately. Yeah, yeah he's um, doing well. But yeah, no. Um, God, yeah. Those those uh, early two thousands comics at the cellar and stuff like like Patrice and those guys. Like, I mean, they were. The, it's just it'll never happen again like that. Where like that group of people, that that level of funny, that level of like mean and just like perfect like new york humor yeah i just like i i worship and those like, guys yeah, and like, like quite a few of like aside from patrice like geraldo passed, yes. away, yes. passed away it's like oh man it's funny because the guys yeah. were like i've been listening to Artie lang's got a new podcast which is really great and uh, i heard him on rogan a couple weeks yeah ago. he's really he's good. he's he's one of the all-time great radio guys like just oh, yeah. so Artie's great gifted on, yeah. On, yeah. on radio and microphone mm-hmm. and they're like those guys have sort of become sort of the crotchety old men of comedy true yeah and which is which i love like I, the other day, that David Spade has that show on uh, Lights Out, Comedy Central. Yeah, mm. it was him, Norm Macdonald, yeah. Dennis Miller, and Kevin Nealon. <laughs> I laughed more for that half an hour than I've laughed oh, wow. in a long time. And the, sure. the, I love that era of stand-up comedy. And those guys are like elder statesmen now, the boomers. But uh, <laughs> Atel was on Artie's um, uh, on podcast, and they're talking about like still doing the road and doing clubs and stuff. And Atel's like, "Yeah, you know, you want to think that you can kind of coast and do stuff." He goes, and then these like young guys. 
who should be like they're doing TV, but now there's all this Netflix money, so they're like they're gonna do a special, even though they don't do stand up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you imagine this guy being like. I'm sorry, honey. I can't take you out for your, you know, to your recital. I got to go do a Netflix special. He's like, he's like, these guys are already rich and they're getting millions of dollars yeah. to do this shit. Yeah. When, when it's funny, I got, I, I have always have to take an opportunity to do this. When just as he was blowing up, Don, you know, Donald Glover did that, like, uh, did that special, you know, that that stand up special. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like he was still in Community, and he mm-hmm. literally stole Patrice O'Neill's joke about getting into an argument oh, man. at a store. So, like, if a white woman walks past him, he won't, like, so I go and buy gum, and then I get into an argument with someone, so they remember me, and they remember where I was at this time, get so I didn't kill it. Fuck it's li- yeah, you have to, it, it, it's on he YouTube. Stole- and, at, and at this point, I no one, receipt for that. Patrice O'Neill gum. was still alive when it had, this was in, like, I think that Donald Glover special came out in 2011. It was, like, right, That's it was like when he, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it was so blatant, like, oh, my God. I yeah. am, Fuck, I am not a fan of his, and it's yeah. funny, this is wow. how I, this is how I know everyone is being lied to all the time. I'm not a Star Wars guy anymore. Like the, the mm-hmm. three original ones, yes, they're important to me, but I, I'm, I'm over it. I don't care about it. So then they're doing like girl Star Wars and everybody's arguing about it. And for whatever reason, I hadn't seen any of them. I haven't seen any of those movies. But I decided to go see Solo mm-hmm. just for shits and giggles. Oh, I, never I think saw I had, that. I think I I had movie that. pass for like a mm-hmm. month and a half. Yeah. So I went to go see Solo. And, I, and everyone panned Solo and it, it kind of was a bomb and all stuff. And the one thing you heard about Solo was it wasn't that good. But that Donald Glover was amazing and so charismatic that, that it should have yeah. been the movie should have been Lando, not Solo. Right. I watched Solo. It's good. It's like a classic, good, old fashioned like this mm. is how Han Solo becomes Han Solo. There's like chase sequences. There's mm-hmm. you know Woody Harrelson's a villain. Paul Bettany's in it. He's fucking great. And Donald Glover is a, a zero. Like he, there's nothing, and I'm oh. like, I'm like, everyone is lying all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with the Joker. It's like everybody said all this shit about the Joker. None of it's true. I mean, yeah, they were saying that stuff before it came out. I yeah. literally, yeah. I literally, whatever the consensus is on a movie, I know the opposite is going to be true. Nowadays. It is, it is pretty. Wild. Or a middle ground that no one exists. Like right, Joker, it was fine. Like that, like that's yeah, my thing. True, on, that's on the, probably the most. It was cool. Yeah, you know what I mean, probably, but I don't. But I don't talk about. I don't say anything about it because mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to get. Because that's another all or nothing movie, and mm-hmm. I don't want to get grouped in with either side because I don't really agree with either. That it's terrible or that it's a groundbreaking. Such as like it's fine. You know, it's cool. I had a right. thought. I had a thought yesterday. Uh, there's clearly going to be a huge Oscar campaign for the Joker, I think which it's is the happen. most non-Joker thing ever. How could you want? How could you want to win awards if you're the people who made that movie? Well, they're not going to well, win. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like you, the whole the whole ethos of the movie and the character is is chaotic and like and you know going against the system and and kind of it's kind of a fuck you to the system. So then if you if you uh, campaign to get this the stamp of approval from the system, it's like what what are you doing? Well, I mean, hmm. you, I don't know if it went that deep with Top Phil. I get maybe the. The character, the character, be and, and even the movie, but I think Todd Phillips wants won. an Oscar. Yeah, I, I, for I, sure. I, I do. I, yeah, I, I, I think, definitely I do. I think Todd Phillips made a movie do. and wants and wants to get an Oscar because it could. Possibly I get what get you're Oscar. saying, but outside of the world of Joker, right. I think the people involved would love yeah. that. Yeah, my they, they my really hope would. for, but but point point is is I don't know if that would happen. Uh, I don't know if they're going to give it to Joker nah, just because of. Like Honestly, my controversy. My fantasy for this year's Oscars is the Oscars begin and they say, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have to give this award to Joe Pesci and to Brad Pitt," and then they just end the show. Yeah. That's, it. Like, that's all. That, those two performances are my favorite. Yeah, Brad Pitt was year. great. Or I'd prefer. Um, I would love to have Eric Andre host the Oscars. Oh, that'd be fantastic. and be himself. Yes. 
Like not that, and not even all of, not even some. Just I just want it to be like a disaster. Yeah, like a, like him going into the audience. Dream. Yeah, and try to like <laughs> like joke around with like Lapita or just, someone and be like, don't touch. What the get home? Like I just bombing. want it to be a, exactly. No, that's <laughs> yeah, what I want. I don't want it yeah. to be some brilliant thing. I want it to be a complete mess. That will never happen, obviously. But I, no, but that would be know. absolutely the most watchable, fantastic exactly. Oscar. How about of all exactly. Norm Macdonald? I wish I had the oh, balls of the Norm See, to, that to bomb actually, on purpose. That's another thing I don't think would ever happen, but that actually makes sense. He'd be it, a great host. He, he would. He did. All joking stuff. Like, not, 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 he, not the Eric Andre jokey thing. It's like, he really would be he, a really good host. The show would go, it would move along and it would be great. He yeah, did right. the equivalent they, yeah. of, like, the Canadian Oscars a couple years ago and it's oh, yeah. on YouTube. His opening monologue and all the interstitials is on YouTube. It's incredible. Oh, I bet. He's I bet. better than anybody who's hosted the Oscars in the last 25 years. Yeah. It's, um, and But I also, like, it. but like professional and, like, doing the old school MC job. Yeah. Not just being crazy comedian. Like, being hysterical, but also, like... Yeah. Being the master of ceremonies, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean, in a That's way awesome. that people don't know how to do. But, I mean, anymore. people just overly scrutinize the Oscar host thing because there's. I mean, people get like shit for their performances on that, and it's like, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, there's man? only like they have they have writers, they have yeah. their own writers, and then there's like people for the show that have their right. Like you're so stifled. And like so you should sensitive. know. You should know. Yeah, exactly. I think you Chris Rock made a joke uh, when he hosted, and it was like a really minor joke about like white guilt in the like the academy mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. and they just like they they were like that was so unprofessional and it's just like yeah well, a years, remember years before that when it was like he made and it was a, especially at that time this was like i think oh four when jude law was blowing up that was oh, it oh, yeah, 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 yeah he's like jude who's jude law is jude law? Finest actors. yeah no fuck you sean Penn. exactly it was like two and a half hours later people <laughs> didn't even re- that's the thing. The comment he made about Jude Law was in a rant of a million other things. And two and a half hours later, he's like, I just want to say Jude Law is one of the finest actors in the make It's just like, who? what? I, I guarantee oh, 80% of the audience was like, what are you talking about? Sean oh, Penn. You mean that thing Chris Rock said like two and a half hours ago? Oh, okay. He, he's like, such a cunt, man. He he's really the, is. He's, he's, the a, most, he's good in movies, I guess. But he He's is good like, in some movies. He, yeah, some Sometimes movies. He's, he's the most humorless movies. man who's uh, yes. ever been yes. famous ever. He's like, unironically a, a boob. Which is crazy because it's like fast times a ridgemont high i know yeah. or even we're not angel like he's yeah. done he hasn't come in a long time but it's it's like carlito's way think of, fucking yeah. amazing fucking went full yeah. retard and i am sam and he yeah, should but, talk yeah, dude oh man yeah, yeah i know yeah, yeah. rewatch that yeah. that's uh well, see don't even bring that up because that movie i don't know if you it was on the vincent gallo episode when he was on howard stern and roger oh. ebert called in and oh, they and, but they but they they, they 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 were friends at this point but then roger ebert stayed on the phone for a while and he talked about how when he gave i am sam a bad review as Rightfully so, Sean Penn wrote him like a small book of a letter and sent it to him, and oh, like man. why he disagreed and everything. Uh, and it's just like uh, that's yeah. a real you cunt. could so see Sean Penn doing Cunty that. move. I believe it's it. Real, I, mean, I believe I it. I believe it a hundred percent. Yeah, dude, the joke that Chris Rock made essentially was. Uh, hey Jude Law, you're blown. And you're like, blown. Who the hell is Jude Law? Like what? that was yeah. it. that was the yeah. whole joke. Yeah, and it, honestly, take it or leave it. Joke. It's like whatever. You know, yeah. kind yeah. of funny. This new guy. Um, Sean yeah. Penn, what in ah oh, God, I hate. But that's the point. The Academy is humorless, and the hosting job is thankless. You know, this is an interesting point to bring us even back to raising Arizona. Boom! It's like as, as, because as we're talking, you know, I I, I realized when you mentioned the voiceover because. Uh, I watched, used to watch Raising Arrows all of second grade, and I never needed to watch it. Like, HBO seriously showed that movie so much. And then it wasn't until after I graduated college. So maybe, like, 04, 05, I watched it again. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then I realized, like, is there, maybe this is why 
Because I'm one of those apologists, defenders, whatever term you want to use, like late period Malik is just absolutely my shit. Mm. And it's all, it's so much of it is about that voiceover. And I wonder if, if like the voiceover in Raising Arizona left an impression on my seven-year-old brain because mm. it's so good. And a big part of all these movies for the song to song to the wonder tree of life, like it's all about that voiceover. And it is kind of similar to less. I mean, it's a little more forcedly poetic as much as I love it. Whereas like. Sure. With with Nicolas Cage's voiceover narration, or not even if it's narration, just his voiceover yeah. in Raising Arizona is way more like down to earth and a little bit more heartfelt, uh, you know, I, 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 I would say. But it's still like, I like voiceover narration or just voiceover. And I wonder if it's because of Raising Arizona. I wonder, like, I yeah, I, I, it really is fantastic. And especially the opening yeah. sequence with the voiceover, it kind of just walks you through. Yeah. It's all, like, movie. and again, I don't know, it's hard to know. Like when you say it's like a Coen Brothers movie, like the directors get too much credit. They we do. Don't, we don't yeah. know. Always, yes, always. Mo- they because I mean the cinematography is unfucking unreal. The acting. I mean Holly Hunter and Francis McDormand are two of the great actresses yeah. of all time. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is going to be reckoned with forever. John Goodman. Even like they always give the little like weird actors moments William in every Forsyth. in every movie. There you go. Trey Wilson is as uh, the, yeah, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. king of unfinished furniture yeah. in the state yeah. of Arizona. Yeah. Like just I mean that is he, he he knocks it out of the park. Is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean he really does. And the scene specifically when he figures everything out and he's like <laughs> outside their trailer and he's just so manic and insane yeah. and every, like that like that's such a great moment. For, yeah, for there's him. so yeah. much and like yeah they give everybody their shot it's really unpretentious and yeah they and they've you know they've had two best picture winners no no i'm sorry fargo won best screenplay fargo did not win best picture but it won they won best screenplay for fargo then no country basically cleaned up the oscars yeah and then they turn around they just make whatever the they fuck they feel like right after fargo like everyone with lebowski was like what the fuck this is the movie you you come out with and again lebowski is a movie i saw and at first didn't get it now it's probably my it's in my Top five of favorite yeah. movies of all time. That's so cr- I, everyone, I go back sometimes, and like I never when I'm like in junior high and high school, I didn't read movie reviews. So it's just like a movie came out, I liked it. So in my twenties and thirties, it's weird to be like people didn't like big or like people questioned Big Lebowski when it came out. That's so weird, you know? What I, I had like, to, I was pledged. No, that, yeah, but like yeah. to me, I didn't, I wasn't around when it came out. Like I wasn't old enough, but. It's such a when I was aware of Big Lebowski, it was already a cult classic. Exactly, exactly. So to me, yeah, it sounds yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. that yeah. you you didn't enjoy it. See, like, I because I I like to marinate with stuff. Mm. So, like for example, Malik Tree of Life is to me incredible, and I I've seen every Malik except for the other new Maliks. I haven't oh, seen really? any of those, okay. but I'm like saving them because I want to like. And but then I'll go back and I'll rewatch Barry Lyndon for the hundredth time, mm-hmm. or you know, Unforgiven, or. Blade Runner. It's like there's certain art that I like. I just I don't know how else to describe it. I just like to marinate with it. So Lebowski, I I just that movie just like lives with me. Yeah. I didn't, but I didn't at first. I I wasn't in the right mind frame. Maybe when I first saw it, I was, you know, I was in college. I think I had a, I was pledging my fraternity, and one of the fraternity brothers made us take a quiz. Mm-hmm. Like you had to get every every brother of the fraternity had to sign your paddle like that was part of like pledging mm-hmm. and this one guy Ryan Noonan said all right in order to get my signature you have to take you have to pass this big Lebowski quiz which is such a it's funny but also like kind of dickish but like it's smart so stupid but all so, all frat I can't believe you pledge a frat in my college <laughs> so I was lame. in Virginia you had to do like down there they oh, like, we're, we're in Virginia uh, I went to William and Mary okay I went to Hampton University oh yeah I right went down to, the street yeah, our first the first football wow. game I ever went to was Hampton versus William and Mary wow, your, your awesome. color guard and and marching band mm-hmm. 
at halftime, unfuck better than a football game. Hampton oh, University. You know that's a thing. Oh yeah, you guys with, were with, unbelievable. No, no, with historically black colleges, you go to the games to see the band. You don't go to see the <laughs> yeah, because all the good players went to like the D one schools. They'd, yeah, like, they didn't really go to the HBCUs. Literally, yeah. it was like a halftime show you'd it's see at the Super Bowl. That's yeah, so that's always funny. been a thing. Yeah, it's that's always hilarious. been a thing. Who was um, <laughs> that? It's, it's funny because right around that time, like that was when like Iverson got caught. Right by on the highway on Route 64 with the mm-hmm. gun in the car. Yeah. He's oh, from he's shit. from the town. He's from Norfolk. Yeah. Um, no, no, he's not. He's from Newport News. I'm sorry. Oh, he's that's from right. Newport he went News, right down the street. Which the nickname for that town is it's called Bad News. But uh, yeah, and which, my like my brother went to Virginia Tech when uh, oh, Marcus wow. Vick, Michael Vick's little brother, mm-hmm. was the quarterback there. Mm-hmm. So like wow. that part oh, of Virginia, wow. like yeah. I've always, I love I love that part of the country. But um, yeah, you know, in this, like, they had fraternities in high school. And what? sororities, no, yeah. Really? What do you mean? I, I went. To, there were girls in my class at William and Mary that had sororities in their high school. I don't even. know. They were like what does that social mean? club. It's just. Oh. It's such a like an oh, ingrained. That's so like it's such an ingrained that's part so of like, like the old. Club. Like that's very white old yeah, money. But that's type exactly what it is. So yeah. if you wanted to have a social that's life weird. at William and Mary, yeah. you had to be in a fraternity. That's so alien. Like the yeah. town I grew up in in Amherst, Massachusetts. It's the most like overly liberal PC. Mm. Oh yeah. And I like I appreciate that I grew up in that kind of a bubble versus like the opposite. True, yeah. But I also had two parents who weren't from there, so thank like my dad's from Queens, my mom's from South Carolina, so I had parents to like ground me. Um, but yeah, it was just the kind of place where, and and I'm not. This is no criticism, but it's the kind. I, my high school, like no no prom king, no prom queen. None of that kind of no gender specifics like none. Whoa, none really? Of, yeah, they were ahead in the of the game. 90, yeah, no, oh, that's, that's the cutting edge. Like, yeah, that's, the va- that's the vanguard like, well, of that. We'll speak to this too. Like when yeah. I was in elementary school, this literally happened. Me and uh, my buddy Dwayne, we were only two black kid boys in the class, and it was like Black History Month. And our teacher, Mr. Gifford, he was this six foot seven, almost three hundred pound guy. And Whoa. like it was our time. It was like he we went out to recess, and he like pulled us aside. He's like Dwayne Marcus, can I see you? And he's like, Are you guys learning anything from this uh, from this uh, Black History portion of the class? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, good, because I, I just want to get it right. I, I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. And oh it's like, God. you have to look at that dynamic where it's yeah. like this grown, like, 40-year-old man is asking two 11-year-olds, like, am I doing a good job? And we're like, I get, I guess. Like, it's that kind of it's, it's that kind of. It place was that right. kind of place, yeah. And it's funny. Home, I, home of Jay Maskus at Dinosaur Jr. and Uma Thurman. <laughs> I, grew up, uh, I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and it was like, uh, yeah. everybody had a dad from a different country. When I, so I went, to, oh, I went to school where it was like my one friend, his dad was Puerto Rican, another kid's Portuguese. Polish, and then there was black and mm-hmm. black kids, Puerto Rican kids, whatever. And so it was just, it was literally a, a melting pot. Mm-hmm. So then when I got older and went to college, and there was people who were like theoretical about race and theoretical about politics, I'm like, no, I actually grew up because it's like when you, sure. when you like when you grow up like in that kind of liberal bubble and you have notions about stuff as oh, opposed to I actually as yeah. opposed to actually you know growing up around people and actually having to learn how to interact with people who sure. are different you're speaking I, about, I know exactly what you mean yeah. well you, no, you're, spe- you're, you're peter speaking about I, I think growing up in that bubble as a white person as opposed to yeah yeah what i'm saying is when yeah. you, when no, you I like think it's uh, very different like you're like the the kind of like white liberal who tells you what kind of movie you should like because you're black you know oh, don't like, get oh. me st- oh that the, yeah that was okay so the downside of like growing up in amherst is, is that kind of it's like i yeah. had that kind of stuff too where like sure they meant well but they could be a little insulting with their presumptions yes. and like you know i mean to the, i'm 38 years old to this day the minute you someone sees me and knows I love movies, like oh you must really like Spike Lee, and I'm like uh, not. It's like not. I'm, I'm dead serious. That still happens to me. It's not. I mean, it's funny, but it's also true. And it and like it's. I like, don't mean to laugh at. No, that, it's but funny, it but it's all, it's like not. And my response is not so much these days. Maybe 
He's sure he's, he's he was good or yeah. you know at one point I, I don't know about today but you know right. whatever yeah he's made some stinkers and I think as oh, a film guy you would some, know that he's, yeah he's, he's made it, yeah yeah even I'm not even so much on board with the whole, with Black Klansman I, I I didn't think that 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 was a very good movie and I then also yet, but the, yeah. the celebration there's this weird kind of, I don't know if it's a meta mo- have you seen Bamboozled no I well there's a well there's a segment in that movie where through another actor he he just destroys and makes fun of Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ving Rhames is around that time when they won their awards and like Ving Rhames gave the award to Jack Lemmon yeah. and yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. did the show me the money. Yeah. He made fun of like, oh, when you're black and you won an award, you get on stage and you jump and dance and do all this stuff. Oh. And then when he won his award, when Spike Lee won his award, his Oscar for Black Klansman, he literally did that. He jumped in Samuel Jackson's arms and he like danced on stage and it's like, you were just making fun of this like less than two decades ago, but now when you get your Oscar, interesting, you're doing what you made fun did of. Did you I see that, that he did he? Do you think he did that intentionally? No, he was very no, he was genuinely happy. Wow. Which and it's like you know that's fine, but don't forget you, you made, made fun of Ving Rhames. You made it, fun yeah. of Cuba. You made fun of the. You made a movie about this whole thing, yeah. you know, in 2000. So don't don't forget that. Oh, did you wow. see the like that the Michael so Rappaport Spike Lee beef about Brooklyn about like old no. Brooklyn versus new no, Brooklyn? But a couple I, years no. ago they were getting into both it because, of those names. That just sounds Sounds like something I want. Because well, Michael Rapport is, like Rapport is from you know is from yeah, Brooklyn too. Like yeah. old, I mean, again, grew up you know like his stepfather was like the guy who like uh, owned the improv comedy clubs. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, sure. um, or either his stepfather or his, his first uh, father-in-law. I don't, so, wow. One or the other, but he definitely grew up in that world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were him and Spike got into this huge beef about. Brooklyn and old Brooklyn versus gentrified Brooklyn. And Michael Rappaport's like, you live in a mansion in the Upper West Side. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, like it's fine. You can talk about where you're from and you can, you can love where you're from. But that doesn't change the fact that you, at the moment you had a chance, you decided to go live in a $20 million mansion sure. on the Upper West Side. Sure. It's like, at least it just. Anthony it, Mackey has said that about, just, which a former collaborator, but yeah, he said just that acknowledge about that, You know what I mean? There's, no, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but just acknowledge that that's. You, that's the case. You it know gets I mean? deeper. Spike yeah. Lee is very critical of the police, yeah. but then he took police some police funding to make Black Klansmen, or like oh, really? he was anti-military, but he's like directed military com- like commercials for like joining the military. It gets yeah. Spike, really? it gets it gets weird and deep with, with that Spike is yeah. very yeah. So, weird. You yeah. don't have to direct military commercials. No, you, especially you don't if, have if to you're, take you're Spike that Lee. Kid. You got plenty. Of, you, you really do not. One of my to circle back again to raising Arizona. Like I love the like the the character of Tarantino, and I love. A lot of these directors who are they are iconoclastic in outside of making films. I love that the Coen brothers. You again, say iconoclastic? Yeah, they're iconic. Like what Spike, the hell does that mean? Look, they're in, like they're. You just pulled icon- a word out that I have never heard in my entire you life. You never heard iconoclastic? Iconoclastic? Literally never. I feel like oh. I'm in a, a fucking trip right now. Iconoclastic? Yeah, Google, it sounds fake. It sounds Google, made up. Google it. No, no. I have to keep uh, saying it to myself. Uh, <laughs> what does I, it mean? It's it's like not an ex- icon, like classic. Not a, it's it's an icon that stand is. I don't know the exact. It's like it's that stands against uh, a time period. I'll look now, it up. Yeah, it's like, now, now I'm freaking out. I know how to use it more than I know how to define it. But uh, <laughs> I like that, I like that the Coen brothers like they just the movies speak for themselves. They never explain themselves. You don't know. Again, you don't know where they're coming from. Which I think it, I like my art to be ambiguous. And their their movies are they definitely have that. And 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 especially for like. I don't know whatever oh uh, uh, household name, but like people know the Coens, and I appreciate that like. Some people look at look at this term as bad, but I like when 
studio or big name direct because you know not like the studio versus independent it's such a weird definition now but like household names like the coens i appreciate they exist because studio films are just like big budget movies are just well known can be so cookie cutter and whatnot so like anyone who has thought like michael mann is one of my all-time favorites he's my so, number like, one guy you know oh is he yeah. oh my god yeah no. we talk a lot about michael oh, mann hey, we did we did a oh, miami man. vice the only uh non-movie episode we've ever done. i can't wow. do a, like a oh. i can't do a 10 favorite movies of all time because i would i i could do six michael mann movies in my 10 favorite movies same. of all time yeah. same thing with like I'm, bill murray I'm, I'm kinda, like there's yeah. certain people I'm that it would be yeah. really hard for me to just pick yeah. uh dude, he does he does Either number one or number two of my favorite movies of all time. So just just to check in here real quick, an iconic <laughs> so iconoclastic <laughs> is an adjective characterized by attack on. It's characterized by attack on cherished beliefs or institutions. Yeah, somebody who's yeah. an icon for going against the the, the the norms of the time, the cultural. norms. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Literally yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> oh, dude. yeah. I saw Michael oh, Mann wow. speak. At, it was at a uh, Museum of the Modern Art. It was the 20th anniversary of Insider. Yeah, and, uh, Jeffrey Wigand um, was there. The oh, character wow. that Al Pacino played. Mm. Uh, oh, the, the thief yeah. is one of like, ugh, God, uh, Last of the There's so again, it'd be hard for me. Manhunter is a movie that I want to do on yeah, here. Absolutely, it would be hard for me to just pick. And again, Michael Mann, like I can go back and just watch an individual scene, like just yeah. a moment in a Michael Mann movie, like yeah. is same unbelievable. And again, he's it, 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 and he again also like eighties like start was in TV. Like a yeah. lot of these guys have like these really like inauspicious beginnings which i like he was producing tv shows david chase who went on to do the sopranos was yeah. doing so many starsky and hutch episode you know and I mean? same like, people were just like well, i remember when that came, when miami vice came out it was like miami vice why are they making a movie and michael mann it's like you do know he's like one of the guys that created the show right yeah. it's like so yeah. who better to do it? i think a lot of people didn't know that though mm. i think a know? lot of people just started with thief and they didn't realize this whole background with like tv and and like uh, and not just Miami Vice, but what was the other new crime stories with, with Dennis Farina? It was yeah, like, yeah, 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 whatever that show was. He, yeah. I mean, he gave tennis, what, Dennis Farina a career. That was his boy, yeah. Um, do you know this Slant magazine online? Of course. So I, I one of my first – my first job out of college was working for the Star-Ledger in, in mm-hmm. New Jersey newspaper. And at the time, Alan Sipenwall was the TV critic and Matt zoller Seitz was the, the film critic. I got, Those a guys, brown, I got a brown bunny poster off Matt zoller Seitz. So uh, I, I saw him. He, um, he did a talk back with uh, David Milch that I went to for mm-hmm. one of my birthdays a couple of years ago, which was nice. un, like also I'm in the YouTube video asking Michael, uh, David Milch a question on that, which is incredible. But they um, – uh, Matt zoller Seitz, I believe, started that website – just because he was spending so much time defending Miami Vice to people who were criticizing it that he wanted like a place to put all his Miami Vice stuff. That's awesome. And that yeah. went on to be like this great like one of the early like online movie yep. forums. Yep. Um which yeah, is I funny cuz like I I feel like you're and I said this when when we met like I just want to be like I just want to sit around and fucking talk about movies all day. Sure. And I think you're you're doing that and I think I really admire that and it's interesting yeah. and it's Thank one you. of one of the great things because I've had people who, like, I've had friends of mine and be like, oh, just do a podcast where it's just you being funny. And I'm yeah, like, okay. no, like, I want to, like, this is another aspect of, of my life. That, and if I could spend all day just talking about movies with other people who have the same passion for movies, I would. So it's big, it was really great having you on sure. here. And I yeah, really and appreciate it, you guys coming yeah. out and doing this. I was in. I like to always get this on record. Yeah, we, um, you guys obviously have an open invite to be on oh, my podcast man. as well. We, we record, it depends where we are, but we either record at my place in Astoria or my podcast partner, uh, Scott Thoreau. He's a 
film composer, actually. He oh, lives wow. up in Ditmas Park. So you guys are you have an open invite to be on the show. Amazing. A, I was sure. We'd a love subject to do you it. want to tackle or something, just let me know. And yeah. One, and one of the great things with this pod is you're the you're our third guest that I met through Twitter, ah, awesome. and all three yeah. have been they've like, been great episodes, really actually. great yeah. kind of yeah, in-depth. way better than the dumb <laughs> fucking, fucking comedians we've had on. Really, oh, man. let it be known, <laughs> hey comics, you better fucking bring it next time. Let I it mean, be known. for real, like, and you don't even what have comics to, like, have, have you had them besides Andre? I'm just oh, curious. we've had Andre. We've had um, who we had on right now? Nobody Who do we want to throw huge, under the bus? Huge, right now? Huge. No, it, it's uh, it's we've had some. We're being we're being a little bit facetious. I was on Gino's t- uh, show today, which yeah. is fucking great. Um, Did you ask Berg to do it? No, but I, I will. We'll get it. We'll I will. No, it's it's just that um, maybe comics don't prepare for shit. They think they're going to be funny, and, and that's it's it. It's part like, of the you know? like, and you're I, you're I just well versed. You, you could talk you about it's, movies. So. I think sure. it's partially it's like the robotic autism uh, that you run into. <laughs> yeah. Is that like they don't? They're just like they're just not processing it. They're like, is this a? Is, can I do a set? Like they don't. All their 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 mindset is just I'm just gonna try to get on stage and do stand up. That you're like, hey, why don't you come for an hour and talk about a movie that you really care about? Their their autism can't shut I, down I, to process. I, I that. get that because so often I hear how and this I get when it's like exactly when you're not on stage. What am I doing? Because sometimes you know like there's that whole th- it's since day one. This isn't a recent thing when like you see a comic at Rite Aid and you're just like, hey, can you be funny? It's like no, I'm not gonna be. Fu- I'm just yeah. no and like so now when you're on a podcast. It's not like the stage, but it's like, am I selling myself? Am I just being me? So I, I guess I, I can yeah. kind of understand where it's, the confusion. My thing is just be a person. Like don't, sure. like don't. We don't have sure. to. We don't have to categorize ourselves. We don't have to put ourselves. In, like I'm a comedian, also. Like don't introduce me as a comic. Let's just be two people having a conversation. And if you find common ground on something that you can argue about, like what's more fun? And I'll than be fair this? here. We've had comics that have done know, a great job. Yeah, we're we being, like we like calling comics dumb because they are in comedy stupid and, and retards, all that sucks. Yes. But but it's yes. But <laughs> thanks for saying the R word for no reason. Um, You're not allowed to say that. Anymore. I don't know. I know it doesn't fun. matter. Um, I was I just like for instance, Phil Duckett has like my favorite episode we've ever done, which is our like a, top downloaded episode of all yeah, time. Yeah, Goonies. That's a, that's one I recommend, and it's hilarious. It's a great episode, but it also goes really deep too. It does. We talk about the Holocaust. It gets crazy, <laughs> but uh, I I do think that like. This was a great episode. The the just just your knowledge of movies. Obviously, you and Peter are honestly to me from my perspective. I I, I was out of this conversation for huge chunks. If you'll listen oh, back, well, no, because because I am just I'm fascinated listening to you guys. See, you guys my, are very very you know your stuff and you've devoted a portion of your life to movies. So like you, I mean it's it's cool. Listening like you to hit certain too. like autism buttons for me. Like if somebody says like Michael Mann or Vincent Gallo. Yeah, oh, he I'm gets like, excited. I, get, like, I had to I had to. It's like it's like it's like Wapner coming. It's it's, it's like Rain Man. It's like the people's court. Like I just can't help myself. Same, same. I really wish. Yeah, like I really would love for there to be like a like a Vincent Gallo based podcast where you could be where folks could be serious. Oh, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm down because like him as an actor is is his acting career is super weird. From yeah. like Freeway Two to Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Mm. He actually has a he has a he has no lines. He's in Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, he has yeah, a yeah. bit part in good, like he's all over the place. Like he's as, in an Abel Ferrara movie, yeah. which I turned off the funeral, which I couldn't oh, get you didn't into. Like the funeral, I just couldn't get into it. I wanted, to, I was actually on a huge Benicio del Toro kick at the time. That's right. So I wanted to Damn, see. It there's for so him. many actors in the. You, I forgot, I forgot he yeah. was in the movie. And but, I just again, I'll go back to it. But at the time, I just wasn't. But Brown Bunny. I mean, uh, actually, I have never seen Brown Bunny all the way through. I shouldn't. I, I didn't want to admit that to you. Uh, that that's a movie I love, but I can't defend. If someone can't finish it, it's like I, fair enough. Like I'm not going to be like, what? You couldn't finish this movie where 
most of the time he's just driving in a van crying like I, you know I, I get it trust me this I get is it. like this I don't think there's a better compliment you can give an artist like I started listening to prog rock because of Vincent Gallo <laughs> oh like, like yes and all that yeah like stuff, he's yeah. such a like he his he as an like there's like Coppola is it, to me the my the most important artist to me nice of in my life <laughs> have you seen Tetra? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Okay. And cool, cool. I, so I, but I, and actually, I didn't even think about it at the moment. I'm just saying that, like, beyond movies, Coppola as an artist, as a guy who decided to make wine and open resort, like, I love Coppola as an artist in in totality, not yeah. just the movies. Vincent Gallo is another, on a smaller scale, is another one of those guys where I love him as an like as a figure, as an artist. Mm-hmm. I love the way he breaks like. He, he he called Tarantino a collage artist, which is the, maybe Oof. the greatest take, takedown of one from one artist Jesus, to another artist I've Jesus ever heard. Christ. And he's hundred percent correct. And I yeah. love Tarantino. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I have a lot of issues with Tarantino, but the fact that he is, I do like the collage artist because if you love movies, you love a guy who can just openly reference the French New Wave, like cult Japanese stuff from the '60s and and all that. Like that much, I love. Like so, and I'm not gonna, '60s television. You know, sh- like, yeah, exactly. You know, oh, what I mean? just cra- yeah. and stuff. Crap. I don't even know. Stuff and crap I don't even too, know. like crap. Yeah. But uh, no, this has been great. It's been so great to have you on. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, come back. We'll do this again oh, another time. Anytime. Absolutely, anytime. And, and, and vice versa. Please come on, zebras. Yeah. If there's a topic you guys want to discuss, please, because I, I think you got you, you'll get along with Scott, my my co. Perfect. Quite, well, what do you you want to specifically plug your stuff? Yeah, please. Oh, please. Yeah, go to go to penlandempire.com. Uh, right now, I guess what I'm really pushing on Pinland Empire, I did my personal favorite slash best movies of the decade. And then... Uh, I love it. I assume by the time this episode goes up, my best of the year, my year in review will be up. This will be um, up next week because we oh, have one in the bank. So, so by the time this up? comes out, Good. yeah, it'll be up pinned to my... So it's at Pinland underscore Empire on Twitter. Uh, we're at Zebras Pod, uh, Zebras in America podcast on, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, check all that stuff out. Check out my... Outside writing on uh, thepinksmoke.com, uh, rupertpumpkinspeaks.com. My old reviews for um, cutprintfilm.com. I've written for a bunch of out, you know different web outlets and whatnot. But Pinland wow. Empire is the hub. Pinlandempire.com is the hub for all my stuff. So Nice. Yeah. I love it. I'm following awesome. you right now, buddy. Thank you, man. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. No, no. It sounds great. Okay. And uh, Peter, you have anything? Uh, I have a bunch of stuff. I'm going to be... This is next week again. So. I'm going to be in Pennsylvania a bunch in like January, February, March. So I'll plug that stuff as we get closer. Uh, Ellery is again headlining January 31st in New Jersey, which I'll also. There you go. Um, it's going to be January 31st, 8 o'clock at Ellery's in Middlesex Township, New Jersey. That's a big show that I'm producing every other month. Um, yeah, that's it. Go out and watch every fucking Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> you can skip any I mean, of if them. If you at- haven't seen Raising Arizona and you're, you listen to this, go ahead, do yourself a favor. You can yeah. skip. Watch that movie. You can skip the Tom Hanks one and every, oh, other, George, and every other George Clooney one. Uh, that's, <laughs> sure. And that's about it. But, uh, yeah, this has been great. See you guys next time. Awesome. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Alex is going to plug something. Oh, no. I'm good. I would have interrupted you. Don't worry. Right. Uh, I can't think of the next week what I got because I have something like this week. And yeah. it, it's, a, it's a sad holiday season. I don't have any shows oh, on that yeah. note. 2020 coming in hot. Yeah, 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 new decade. Bye, guys. Bye.